Should we? Should we? Cl- are you recording now? Yeah, yeah. We can get the clap. Let's get the clap. I, I've, I've always wanted to get the clap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which one the clap is. Actually, is it gonorrhea or is it chlamydia? Chlamydia. I just met her. Yeah. <laughs> gonorrhea. I barely knew her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonorrhea. I usually do it in the front. <laughs> I guess that's how I got this disease. Gonorrhea haven't even left yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, let's do a clap then, shall we? Uh, It'll be like three, two, one clap, all right? Three, two, one. Hold on, we should, we should do separate claps, right? <laughs> you are not getting the job in the band, man. With that, with that. Hold on. No, 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 because I'm confused now. Like, how will you sync it if we're each doing, if we're each only recording our own claps? There's nothing to sync. No, no, because when I get your file, I'll hear where the clap is and I'll match it up in like the the thing to where my clap is. If we clap at the same, yeah, but then we have to do it at at truly exactly the same time. Yes, exactly. Which I highly doubt we'll be able to do. Like even if we, even if it seems like we're doing it at the same time, that probably means that we're not because no. But that doesn't matter as long as it syncs at the end. Don't worry, man. You don't don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. It's cool. We just gotta. You just gotta clap at the same time as me. Yeah, actually, (laughs) I guess it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter if we're in perfect sync. If we're only, we'll just be slightly off, but it won't be noticeable if we're only. If if you can't hear you, you know, you won't be able to tell that it's not perfectly aligned. Yeah, yeah, but you just got to clap just, at the same time. One of us will sound time. like we're, yeah, yeah. One of us will just sound like we're slightly late on the takes. <laughs> well, hopefully we won't, we won't get to that point. Yeah, so yeah. Here, it'll be like three, <laughs> two, one, clap. You got to clap at the same time as me, right? Okay. So here we go. Okay. All right. Yeah. So three, two, three, uh, two, one, clap. <laughs> no, you messed that one up. This is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Whiplash, but I'm J.K. Simmons right now because that was not my time. <laughs> all right. All right. I think that you said clap at the same so, time that I clapped. I could hear it, so it should be okay, I think. Let's just try it one more time. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were a full beat afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. So do you want to do it? I'll just try to clap at the no, same time as you. Let's do it together. We're going to do it together. <laughs> Okay. So, right. th- <laughs> okay. Th- four, three, two, one. No, it's me. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> it seemed to. Are you fucking with me right now? Not- because it seemed to me like you didn't even start counting until after I clapped. And we must have a delay or something. Oh, shit. Oh, my dad is. This is so not going to work. Here, okay, no, it's cool, man. <laughs> this is hilarious. We're going right, to record okay, a whole second right, thing and it's not right. going to work. One more time. You, you count. I, like, just, I'll just clap at the same time as you, but you count, okay? And I promise you I'll okay. do it. when it uh, From my end, it'll be correct, and that's all that matters. As long as you're. you're it, then we can sync it. It'll be fine, okay? Even if there's no reach around, it's good on your end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. Okay. All right, here we go. All right. One, two, three. A reborn Christ is nothing to write home about. Maybe if he had kept the money lenders out, there might be some kind of urgency to the show. To love my neighbor like I love exonerating doubts. Was blinded now that I can see. See the townsfolk laugh at me Cause I don't look like them You haven't cured their blindness oh, okay, yeah. so maybe we should like do a quick like intro uh, After all of that uh, Just to quickly say who and what we are And what the fuck we're doing here um, mm-hmm. So this is Spaghetti for Brains podcast uh, My name is Ben And I'm here in Glasgow And I'm talking to I am Norm The lyrically assassinated <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh the lyrically assassinated reanimated uh ten of all trades. Yeah. Nine of spades of all trades. <laughs> and um yeah, so you were and you're you're in uh Connecticut, right? Uh yes. I am currently sheltering in place in Connecticut. Uh and the Second wave, third wave of the coronavirus is uh, encroaching upon us. All the states around us are shutting down again and whatnot. We still haven't yet officially, but I feel like it's about to happen because our cases are going way up. So that's what time it is, in case you're wondering historically. I know we no longer use watches when you guys are listening. We, uh, you also don't do carbon dating. You just strictly go by the number of cases of coronavirus. That's, that's the new calendar. <laughs> so just know that we're right on the crest of somewhere around the second or third wave. There's currently about, uh, I believe, 220,000 deaths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy shit, isn't it? And here we're, um, we're having a, a similar situation. It is the, the Yesterday I, I saw a headline that said, that they had the highest death rate since May, which was like near the peak of the pandemic, uh, well, the first wave of it at least. And uh, so it's only getting worse, which is great, which is why we're laughing so hard, because what else can you do but laugh? Because everything is just so fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not terrible here anyway. I'm, I'm here, I got, my, uh, I got paid today, uh, which doesn't really make me feel great actually, because when I get paid, I realize how little I earn. But... <laughs> Um, but most people aren't even getting paid that little. That's true. That's true. And I can't complain because at least I've got a job. That's what, that's, uh, what I got to try to remember. But I wanted to, uh, I actually wanted to kick off today with you. I should have told you this before we started recording instead of like springing it on you. But I don't know if you heard the news that they've, um, the, the Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labor Party, has moved to suspend Jeremy Corbyn from the Labor Party after the, um, after the, 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 that there was the the decision that labor under Corbyn had broken had like there were 23 instances in which the labor party didn't sufficiently deal with anti-semitism and violated uh human rights 
And uh, I just think that this is such like a good place to start for what we're going to talk about the election in the states later and what it means to elect a Democrat, even if it happens, because I feel like the Labor Party right now under Keir Starmer and not just Keir Starmer, but what he represents, that wing, that faction of the party that he represents. It's such a good place to start because these cynical pieces of shit who don't give a fuck about Jewish people who are mobilizing and utilizing and weaponizing Jewish people in order to attack the left. They're basically doing a purge now on the left. They, they got rid of Rebecca Long Bailey, who was uh, the only kind of leadership hopeful, who was a real genuine contender to uh, the leadership of Keir Starmer and who represented the interests of like the left wing of the party and the unions. And I think that it's really, it's really telling that this is all happening now because they're basically doing what we on the left of the, of uh, the labor movement needed to be doing really much harder when Corbyn was first, uh, you know, elected as the leader of the party, which was like purge these people. I mean, he tried to an extent, but really he didn't go far enough, which is evident Evident, and the funny thing is, is that people keep saying, "Oh, you know, like Keir Starmer came promising uh, his platform is that he promised to be, you know, clear about uh, anti-Semitism and weeded out and everything." And you're like, "These are the same people who were shown a few months ago when there was a leaked dossier showed that they sabotaged their own party. They literally sabotaged the Labour Party's efforts in 2017 to win elections." They had a higher percentage of the popular vote than they did in 1997 when Tony Blair came to power, and they could have won. They were 150,000 votes away from being able to form a, a government, and and it's it's very frustrating for people on the left of the party knowing that if the right wing of the party hadn't been trying to stymie the party's efforts to win this 2017 election, they could have very well been in power and did the nightmare of austerity that we've been living with for 10 years, and perhaps had like a better... Uh, you know, way of dealing with the the coronavirus pandemic. And now that Jeremy Corbyn is the sacrificial lamb of the left, they're trying to make an example out of him. You know, it's it's it just shows that these people have like zero fucking beliefs. They have zero fucking like any kind of it's not even like a, a like a conscious ideology. Their ideology is basically equivalent to nihilism. They don't give a fuck. And I just think it was a uh, uh, one of the things that made me think of was the late great David Graeber, who he wrote an article for uh, Open Democracy uh, late last year, talking about this very subject. And one of the things that he said was, I'm just going to read from this, uh, this piece that he wrote for Open Democracy, exploiting Jewish issues in ways guaranteed to create rancor, panic, and resentment is itself a form of anti-Semitism. This is true mm-hmm. whether or not the architects are fully aware of what they're doing. It creates terror in the Jewish community. It deprives us of our strongest allies. If one were actively trying to create ill feeling towards Jewish people on the left, then surely purges, sensationalized denunciations in the media, wild exaggerations, and the endless twisting around of words, a skilled propagandist can, after all, prove anything. If I wanted to cherry-pick quotes, I'm sure I could demonstrate that Margaret Thatcher was a communist or the Pope is anti-Catholic, would be the best way to go about it. That's David Graeber writing back in uh, September of 2019. In open democracy, the article is called "For the first time in my life, I'm frightened to be Jewish." So you know, I just thought, I don't know, had you heard about that yet, Norm? Uh, I just heard about it. Yeah. Like I'd seen the headline, and like I didn't read an article about it, but I just heard about it. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. ridiculous. It's pretty fucked up, man. I mean, it's it's so cynical. But the thing that makes me, the thing that I wanted to, so the reason that you and I are talking today is because we were going to talk about 
I don't know. I mean, we were going to talk about voting, and uh, the election is uh, like only, you know, a week away. Uh, not, no, sorry, no, less than a week away. We, we're, we're less than a week away. We're like five days away. Uh, it's on Tuesday. And I know that uh, anyone who's read the newsletter that I write uh, read me talking about uh, posting that thing on Facebook where I, I basically did like a little thought experiment. I asked people on Facebook, what do you think? Uh, you know, should I vote for Biden or not? I didn't really say what my real intentions were or anything. It was more like a thought experiment. And I had largely the most boring and predictable responses you can imagine. A couple were interesting, and one of them was yours. Uh, you said that it was important to vote, but you also kind of said this in response to uh, someone else had said that I shouldn't bother. So I think that like th within the left right now, you can break it down into two broad camps, right? About voting in the U.S. election, about voting for Biden to stop Trump, right? And the, 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 the two broad platforms I'm, I'm going to just try to summarize here on the, the no side, don't vote, is people saying don't bother because once you vote for Biden, especially if you make it public, if you say if you commit to voting for Biden, you're basically saying, like, I'm going to vote for you no matter what. I know everything about you. I know all the things I hate about you. I know that you don't represent my interests. I know that you're not just not a socialist, but actively against socialism and any kind of semblance of socialism, but I'm going to vote for you anyway. So people on the left who are arguing against voting are saying that this is basically giving up leverage. It's giving your vote regardless of how bad the candidate is. It's saying to the Democratic Party, you know, I'll probably just vote for you anyway because the alternative is so much worse. Do you think that I'm being fair? And uh, do you think that's like a fair summary of that side of the things? Uh, I mean, that's a way that people summarize it. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't think... See, the problem is there's certain fundamental things about that argument and that generalization that are pro very problematic, in my opinion, and feed into uh, the sort of misinformed nature relationship that we have with democracy in this country. There's a word you use there that is fantasy. It's one of those things that if I was to challenge it, immediately I would get attacked by a lot of people for being like, oh, you know, like you're like trying to tell me what I can and can't like believe and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's a reality. Uh, the word you're talking about was leverage. The notion that your vote in this country has leverage is an Aaron Sorkin notion. It is a political fantasy, you know? Like, your your vote has great importance in many aspects, and in, like, certain places, like, you know, in swing states and stuff like that, your vote could be the entire world's future. Like, I'm not saying that voting is not important, but this notion that specifically the withholding of voting is some sort of leverage piece that you can can like you know play is to completely ignore the reality that the you know half the people are already playing that card buddy like you know in every single election in this country you know like you're lucky if half the people vote and you're telling me that somehow you withholding your one or two percentage more is going to be even noticed let alone used as some sort of positive leverage to build a movement like that's a, that's like it feels to me like an even more absurd notion than this notion of 
don't worry about what we'll do. Just vote for us because the other guy is bad. Like, there's at least an argument there. You know, like yeah, but I gotta, I gotta clarify something. I gotta just—I don't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to just clarify. Like, I think that maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. that isn't quite the argument that people are making. Maybe it's my fault for not like expressing it clearly. But I don't think that no, anyone is, is arguing. That is when absolutely, to, the argument that the other—I'm sorry to interrupt you and talk over you. Like that's, uh, but that is absolutely like I like we can pull out your newsletter if you want. That is absolutely the argument that the other guy was making, and that's the argument that I hear the most from people saying not to vote for the Democrats. No, but, but you know, but, like but there's the distinction- one argument to be made that voting in general doesn't matter, but this like the main strategic argument I hear is that the Democrats like don't deserve your support. Giving them your support is you know is uh is like placating what they're doing which you shouldn't agree with and you should withhold it strategically and i don't think that withholding works strategically yeah but the thing is here's here's where i would say that maybe i disagree with you slightly just slightly because i i see the value of your point right um but but the thing about leverage is and and i think it's interesting because you know there was like this big kind of like twitter storm about uh like brianna gray and uh virgil texas on bad faith podcast uh interviewing noam chomsky and there was that the kind of the way that it was framed there as well and but i think that they made an interesting point and i think that my friend on facebook who i men- made mention of in my newsletter was kind of trying to make a similar point was that it's not just about leveraging your individual vote because as an individual vote it has no leverage that is absolutely correct however the very fact that so few people vote the very fact that like almost half if not more sometimes depends on the election of the people who are eligible to vote just don't is in itself i think that is a block that creates a block they are a block of people who don't vote and i mean the 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 argument that you're making is is uh it relates to like bernie's whole uh strategy which was trying to mobilize that block of people who don't normally vote because they don't feel like it makes a difference they don't feel like their interests are represented they don't feel like anything that anyone is saying has any impact on their lives at all so if you're trying to mobilize that group to vote that's what you have to do is you have to try to make politics somehow important to them, important enough to them, at least to get them to come out and vote. And now I think like uh, conversely, I completely the agree that, with you, but I don't. But the yeah, thing is, let ahead. me finish here. Let me finish my point, because like obversely, yeah, obversely, if you add yourself to that block of people who don't vote, it's not necessarily going to make a result that you want. It's not necessarily going to like create uh, like a you're you're not like not voting as a block. Do you know what I mean? I he- I see what you're saying. But the argument that some people are making is that if you could create a block of people who withhold their votes in order to make a point that they aren't going to vote unless, and it would not just require one election of them doing that. It would require like concerted action. And I think that when you have so few people voting to begin with it bolsters the argument that there is a block and you have to articulate that non-vote as a block. And I think that that is a crucial point that a lot of people overlook and aren't, aren't really saying out loud and kind of need to be. And so I'm not necessarily saying that I think that this is the best tactic. In fact, I should maybe just uh, disclaimer right off the bat early on in the show here that I voted in the end. In the end, I, I had a hard time deciding, but I decided to vote. And the thing for me, Norm, and this this feeds into it, is that... The reason that I decided 
to vote in the end isn't because I thought like, oh, the stakes are so high. It's so important that I vote. My vote matters so much. It was like, it doesn't really matter either way. It doesn't matter that much at all whether or not I vote. (laughs) So I might as well just fucking do it. It was like a fucking piece of paper sitting on my desk. You're not a swing state voter, you know? Right. But like, but like the thing is like, there's so many things to unpack there. And like, I want to ignore the notion of whether or not that is a smart and possibly effective strategy, because I'd love for you to point to a time that it worked. Like not that every strategy needs to have been proven to have worked already, but like, it's just personally, in my opinion, like I don't understand how we relate that information uh, as a movement and leverage it. Like, it seems like non-participation, like, like needs to have some sort of effect, like a boycott or a, a, you know, like a strike or something that has an impact. The flaw with this strategy is that it's exactly what they want you to do is to not participate. You know, like the certain flaws with this is like, if it was meant to have leverage, why haven't, why hasn't anyone successfully leveraged the fact that people already don't vote? It's like, it's like saying there's a candidate that people already vote for and we just don't count it. And like, if, if only we all counted it or something like that, it's like people already don't vote and they don't not vote out of protest. And most of them, in my opinion, don't vote out of some sort of active disillusion with the government and the process. It's a lot of people don't vote because they can't vote or because they are they you know, it would be too difficult and they don't feel the connection and motivation to make that difficult choice to vote. And a lot of people are just kind of vaguely disillusioned because they've never been presented with the notion that their vote will actually affect their material conditions and stuff like that. So it's just not something they really believe. Uh, yeah, but either way, either way, it's like you like n- like even if. You want to say, yes, it's a strategy that works. Even if you want to say, yes, there is a way to leverage the fact that already people don't vote and it's only worked in the favor of the status quo because there's less people to oppose the people that will show up to ask for that, you know. Um, Then there's also the notion of, back to what you're saying, where there are some arguments for why there's like a different battle to fight now because... There's, yes, a million issues that I would like to tackle, but like, you know, it's becoming an ever increasing reality that none of us will be able to address anything if Trump completely destroys things, you know, like he's going to destroy the ability for this country to continue functioning. And like, I don't think that like, it'll magically turn into the one great you know, post-destruction, like, revolution. Like, I think it'll just be co-opted by bad actors and accelerate the destruction of the world, you know? Like, uh, I don't think that's a good strategy at all. And I think, like, you know, like, we're already at a very critical point. Like, I don't know that we're going to survive this election that's happening next week, you know? Yeah. Like, we may be that far gone, but it's like, you have to come with some sort of strategy. It's just like voting for a third party or something like that. Like, I'm all for expanding our system so it's not a two-party duopoly. You don't do that 
by advocating a week before a presidential election to vote for the third party candidate for president that no one's heard of, has not fielded a campaign until like two months ago, and does not have any sort of infrastructure to support himself or his party or give himself power. And that is to say nothing of the fact that the reality is that we have a two-party system. Like our system is actually set up for a majority party and a minority party. There is no room as it's currently constituted for third parties. They are there for show in this country largely. Yeah. And we just want to act like our vote for Joe Jorgensen is going to matter. Like it doesn't matter. You're playing, you're not playing the game. Yeah, you but know, here's you're the allowing thing. here's the thing. Okay, the game to continue. I feel like I I, I feel like you're making a lot of good <laughs> and points. And like here. again, like I just want to say, since I've been saying this stuff, because I don't want to be lumped into camps and stuff like that. I am all about making all of this change. I think that people not voting is the biggest issue. You know, that's all. That's also another thing I come at is that I I also fundamentally have a problem with this notion of using non-voting and non-participating as leverage because I think one of the biggest flaws with our democracy. is is non-participation, is the fact that our democracy is alienating so many people and we make the voting so difficult for so many people. I feel like if we would take certain steps to get more people to vote and want to vote and be able to vote, that would be a much better use of the energy of the left than the notion of organizing around non-participation in the system because I feel like non-participation just strengthens their position. Okay, but the thing is here, I just have to, I, like you've made a couple of good points. I'm sorry. And, yeah. I, and I, <laughs> I recognize I recognize like the validity of the argument that you're making and I, I like I don't completely disagree with you. I just feel like we got to represent the other side uh, a little differently than you're presenting in here because I feel like maybe I can just hear in the back of my head loads of my friends <laughs> Uh, on the left, like like screaming, like no, that isn't what I think, though, and like it's not See, about that's people the voting. Problem is that no, but I let me let me finish, right? Too, you the know? thing is, I can me, hear it too. This is the thing. So here, so <laughs> let me just take like you made a couple of points. I want to take them like one by one, right? So you were saying like leveraging doesn't work because like the problem is already that people don't vote, right? And and how can you leverage something that isn't organized, right? So that is one of the issues, and that I think is like the crux of the argument is that like there are examples of people being able to shift platforms to make maybe they, they can't change which candidates are running maybe they'd prefer to have a different candidate but they could get their candidate to listen they could get their candidate to make campaign promises they could get their candidate to write policies into their manifestos that they act on when they're in power because they've leveraged as a block and there are examples of that in the United States as well when there was a strong Hell, labor give movement me one. obviously I understand give me one because I don't now. think it would look like not voting at no, this no, no, stage no, no. of the game but the thing is is that it, this is the thing at this stage of the game you're correct yes but don't forget that the same people who are making this argument have been making this argument since bernie law was rat fucked out of the primary they've been making this argument for months it's not like they only just started making this argument and i think you know that i mean i've been making the argument you know since then I, and i think that it's important to remember that, that like there's there's two different prongs of the question here that are kind of like coming together you know what i mean and it's like difficult to see it's like it's difficult to always keep the two in relation
situation. One is the fact that so many people don't vote. The other is the fact that people who do vote often would like to be able to withhold their vote as some sort of form of leverage or some, if not that, like to be less controversial. They'd like to figure out a way to leverage the candidates who are running to at least represent the most basic progressive or socialist policies that they could possibly espouse. And it's like not outside of the, the like, you know, reason. It's not outside of like the imagination here. Like it's something that you could normally get someone to do um, up until recently, I would argue. And that's largely down to the fact that so few people vote that they have to. I mean, one the thing is that the Republicans, as well as the Democrats, have spent decades, I mean, the whole 20th century, in fact, before, like since Reconstruction in America, th- these parties have been trying so hard to disenfranchise people whose interests they don't have, who, whose interests are like opposed to theirs. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the, the, the lengths that Democrats, as well as Republicans, have gone to to stop black people in America from voting is just like unbelievable. I mean, they've, they've been very successful at like in the south with uh just like like figuring out ways to knock black voters off of the the electoral roll by putting stumbling blocks in their way by making them have like certain types of id or by making them pass like literacy tests or something like that and in the north you have gerrymandering you've had gerrymandering for uh like over a century you know the moving the districts around whenever you have too many of the wrong kind of voter in one district it's something that they've been doing for decades and it's something that was only able to be addressed and and the reason that things got done at all the reason that there was like a creation of a welfare state at all in the United States is because of the strength of the labor movement in the 20th century because they were able to leverage power there was working class power that existed and it was channeled through these unions who ben, were able I to tell and there was there was so let me finish let me finish because I don't this, want no but I let me finish want, like I agree with what you're saying though you but, know like, but the I thing is is that but, everything you're saying yeah but I know you do but the know, problem is is problem. that it's it's hard to it's hard it's to remember strategy and about timing yes but also but the thing is norm is that the thing is is that like if not now people to vote for joe biden a couple months ago. yeah but the thing is is that if not now now if you're not but if you're not having the conversation about that now when are you gonna have that conversation it doesn't have the weight except at election time you can't go around in the middle of an election like outside of an election season saying hey guys let's start building up uh, our electoral power by consolidating a block that's going to threaten to withhold its vote unless the candidates now i fundamentally disagree with you now we've come to something i fundamentally disagree with because absolutely a different time is a better time to organize that because people will not listen to it now that will be willing to listen to it later. What will happen now is not only will you not be successful in organizing this, but it'll probably be used against you and vilified. They're already vilifying the left as being responsible for these losses, like for withholding their votes in it with a completely dishonest argument that's not true. And now you want to tell them that you want to actively withhold your votes at the time of an election without having built the movement for people to understand why you're doing it and for the leverage to be affected. Like, you need to build the movement first, and then it will have an effect. Then you will have leverage. We have not done that work. So right now, you just want to spring the idea forth without having built the movement. You'll It'll not only be unsuccessful but it'll be used against you and if you just wait until it's not this moment i know it's more difficult but that's how you build you build from nothing essentially you know like you build when people aren't going to dismiss your argument uh outright you know it will it will be easier to do at a later time you know like uh 
easier to have an effect. Okay, at least. so, so I have a question. I completely agree with what you're saying. I have a question. It's just though. that I have a question we've come to you. the one point in time where it it makes it much more difficult to do. But I know it's on people's minds more, but. Like it also actually does work against. I think though. I think here's the thing though, right? Because in my experience, and from what I think we can see, I think there's evidence to suggest that maybe you're not completely right about that because there's so many instances of them of like people on the right, whether they're like a right wing party or the right wing of the Democratic Party or just the fucking Democratic Party, right? Like there's so many instances of them blaming the left for anything at any time, regardless of what actually happened. It's uncoupled from reality anyway. So what I'm asking you. Is like at what point? When is the right time? If not now, because the stakes are so high now that I would like to no, know. No, and I'm telling when. you, I'm answering. Not now. Like later would be the right time. And again, like this is the thing. Like so much of this is just me speaking what I believe is practically true and not what I condone in any way. Like I'm just saying. Like look at it. They make dishonest arguments. So like if you give it like without you giving them reason to. So if you give them fodder to make a bad faith argument like they are going to make it you know like uh like and and what i'm saying is that i think you would agree that the movement has not been built and it like i would have loved for it to have been built for the conversation to work i would also have loved for the bernie campaign to have won so that the conversation could be about making Bernie Sanders president. Like, but it's not the case. And there are plenty of people who are diehard holding on to the fact that, like, Bernie will run as a third party or something like that. And uh, it's, a, it's, like, not a very wise thing to hold on to because that phase is over. Like, sure, there's a possibility, but it's just not realistic and not voting is not something that has properly been leveraged especially this year this year the notion of not voting is going to fall deafer on ears than any other year and i'm not saying i agree with it but it's it's difficult for me to accept someone saying that it's not going to happen so if that's the case then why wouldn't any other time be better but also like i said you know, it's just this fundamental thing. You remove this obsession that people have right now with voting, uh, and it'll be easier to talk to them about it. It'll be easier to move them on it, and it'll be at a time where you can actually pass some sort of legislation, hopefully, through, a, through like, leaders that, while they're still awful, at least they are proven to be movable on a lot of issues, unlike Republicans. Okay. Um, okay. Let's let's t- uh, let me just let me uh, build on on that point that you've made there. Then okay. Let me just like let's try yeah, to unpack yeah. it a little bit. I want to know what you think. Then like so, we, let's just like uh, take for granted that uh, l- that that that's what we're gonna do, right? So like, cause I mean, I I can't really I I can only fight the argument so hard because I actually did vote, right? So like, I can't I can't I, I'm not gonna make a fucking hypocrite of myself. But I I would I want to know like, what do you think then? What do you think? is the what like how how do we build the movement then like what do you think is like how under and like specifically under a biden administration let's say for example that uh it doesn't get all complicated and messy we don't have 2002.0 now and uh you know the were when like bush 
basically use the Supreme Courts to beat Gore despite the fact that he lost the election, uh, which is a very real possibility of Donald Trump pulling something like that now. And we have another four years of Donald Trump, regardless of him losing the election. Wouldn't surprise me. As you pointed out on a previous podcast episode, actually, like uh, there hasn't been. I mean, with the exception of 2004 and George H.W. Bush in 1988, the, 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 the Republicans almost, they never win in our lifetime. They haven't won. And they've like, appointed in our 15 of the, the last vote, 19 you know? Supreme Court justices in that Exactly, span. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I want to know, so I want to know, because this is really like, basically, you know, we can like argue theory all you uh, like, you know, until like I turn blue in the face. But, I, but I, you're making I know, a good point is, that like I there's just reality a million on the ground. different things right now. Yeah. Like, what is it that you want to know? Do you want to know specifically about voting what we can do? No, no, because I want to know. obviously I can talk. I'm, 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 I'm curious to know what you think. specifically about voting. Like, I honestly can talk about so many things and, like, about the ways that they would be more possible under Democrats than under Republicans. Like, I could go on for an equally long, if not longer amount of time about how not pushing a Biden administration to go left is almost guaranteeing, as you know, as you probably agree with, that a much worse uh, reaction is going to follow uh, and okay. I think you know that. Let's let's take uh, that. But like, let's take up. I'm going to take you up I've on also, that point. Uh, but like the the difference that I've come to understand from the last time we had that conversation on on wax is that uh, I've come to fear Trump much much more. Like the things that he's done uh, in the run up to this election since COVID, it's it's shown a much greater propensity to burn things down and be the king of the ashes. You know, like to yeah, accelerate yeah, yeah. the process of basically becoming a dictator, you know, <laughs> like he's right, he's right. make he's not making like the kinds of moves that Republicans typically make. He's making moves where it's like he's either going to go down spectacularly or he's going to win in a fashion that's going to make it so that the game is over and he is just president forever because we're no longer playing the game. Right. And that's what I mean by this could be the last election already because they're setting the stage to make this one really murky. Even though it seems like it's going to be a win for the Democrats, like because of the situation and because so many of the votes are coming early and are not going to be counted the night of, we're setting the stage where they are going to declare, Republicans are going to declare a completely bad faith victory uh, after yeah, the election. Yeah, they're going to do a Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And Buttigieg fucked shit up when he did that. You know, right, he, exactly. he muddled yeah. things up. So let's, let me just roll you back uh, one second. All, let me just roll you back Trump a little bit. Like, I, want to to go, I want you to I want you to talk know? then. Uh, yeah, I want you to I want to roll back just a little bit and get you to tell me what you think then. Uh what how can we push Biden left? Cuz I know there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, here, a lot of like people don't believe that that's possible. This. So No, no, I know, but let me first say this. Uh this is obviously an awful awful situation that we're in here. Uh we're talking about the notion of like choosing and operating within a system and every possible option is a bad one. And that includes not voting like uh, and it's a, it's like you have to like somehow triage like like the amount of harm that will come in the short term and long term and blah, blah, blah. You got to do all sorts of analyses of the relative danger of all of these bad choices because we've come to a time where the choice is eminent and we do not have a good one uh and so 
Like, there's no solution. You know, there's no saying like, oh, all we need to do is this and then everything is fine. You know, like one way or another, we're in a bad situation. And (laughs) I personally don't I personally don't think we're going to survive it one way or another. But like what I feel is most likely to cause our fastest destruction is the reelection of Donald Trump. Like uh, now, I also think that electing Joe Biden is the continuation of a death spiral. But like, at least I can fantasize about the possibility of making progress in that situation. But like, I honestly don't think like with there being a pandemic going on, like we already don't have a lot of time with climate change. Like, I honestly don't know that like, (laughs) you know, like so many people are going to die and our institutions are going to completely crumble because they're already so weak and so decrepit that like someone doing this amount of damage from the inside, it's just like, it's not something that it can withstand for very long under these sort of stresses. So what can be done? Okay. Yeah. What can Uh, be done? (laughs) What, what has been done, which is an incredible amount of people becoming woke to issues that, that we have not been, uh, younger people in particular getting, really understanding the ways that our system is that our our country is flawed and our institutions are flawed and stuff like that and this election it's not really about them you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. if they were deciding things they would probably do better but uh unfortunately you know it's still this sort of old guard that is making these decisions right now uh and mind you like the, the, when we're talking about these record numbers of like voter registrations and stuff, it's almost all young people. Like people should be falling on their knees and thanking Bernie for winning them this election. Like like these people who are new voters are voters because of Bernie. And right. like all you, this so you bad reckon faith, that they were previously part of the block of people who don't vote? Probably, or they were just young and probably wouldn't have registered to vote, like most young people don't, you know. But they ended up registering at 18 or 20s in college or something like that uh but uh because most people just can't be arsed as you say you know (laughs) but yeah so (laughs) we, we we continue to leverage those things we build we build where we can we and we 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 have to be vigilant to not allow them to entrench the establishment and entrench sort of uh, you know, things that would hurt us in some sort of way and prevent us from, from making any sort of progress. Like Trump is doing that constantly, you know? Uh, but uh, the possibilities are there and the movement is there. Like AOC and Bernie are two incredibly popular politicians. We've been unsuccessful thus far. But every time we try, we get closer and closer, despite them throwing the the kitchen sink, the kitchen, the living room table, more and more of the house is being thrown every time. And they were, and Bernie was so close. Like I was arguing with someone last night who didn't believe me when I said that even 538 had Bernie sweeping the primaries at one point after Nevada. 
Like, they're like, that's not true, man. <laughs> like, do you not read Nate Silver? Like, he would never say that. And I'm like, yes, I know. That's what's so ridiculous. And I had to, like, go to the Wayback Machine and yeah. send them the link and be like, look for yourself. Every single one. South Carolina, the day of the primary, they were saying Bernie was going to win it. Like, uh, so... We're like we're awfully close in, in through means that have been that have shown evidence and like and like we've already made tons of progress with shifting the party to the left like at least uh you know the conversation and the Overton window if not the actual leader that we ended up getting in Joe Biden uh like the people are prepared for for a better leader to okay. step forward. Okay, you know? but let me let me just um, let me interject here real quick because I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you answer the fact that because I think the critique of this uh, normally that yeah. I hear is that he's he's looking at filling the cabinet with Republicans, you know, with Republicans as well as right wing Democrats. I mean, he's looking at yes. like Kasich, for example, and all these people. Uh, there's yes. he's, uh, So so what uh, what I want to know is. Uh, like to what extent I mean it doesn't seem like I, I want to believe you I want to agree with you I'm just and I, I understand too like you've you've succinctly put like the actual like high stakes of it and how I mean but it seems to me a little bit like there's like a little kernel of your argument that's accepting uh, like defeat that said like that's saying like you know See, the like, thing it, is it, I it really I don't know how like, to express to you like you're saying oh if we can organize accept defeat I just like don't feel like some other victory is possible because first of all, what I will say is if your right. problem is that Joe Biden will appoint Republicans, like is Donald Trump going to appoint communists or something? Like I could swear that he's going to appoint Republicans and he's not going to appoint John Kasich. He's going to appoint fucking crazy people like he does, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like the argument that Joe Biden is worse than Donald Trump like is basically summarized by the Democrats can't stop the Republicans. Like, like the general. No, I think, I think I have to correct you. You can generally kind of put the, you know. Yeah. I have to correct you because I think that the argument isn't that. They tend to not actively. Yeah. They tend to propagate. I just have to correct you because I think that. The Republicans tend to push it to the right. Yeah. The critique, well, though, well, isn't okay. so much about like that the Democrats are worse than the Republicans. It's that faith in the Democrats is impeding what seems like an inevitable disaster. It's, it's what it's doing is slowing the inevitable, which is the ultimate like just failure of the Democratic Party. The thing is, or it's it's like uh, subsumption into like a, it's like a, a broader just like establishment that that is indistinguishable left from right, and that that eventually yeah, the there is, needs like, to do be you actually a new party, that a new I movement. Think that? Like you don't think that I think that though, right? You don't think that I norm think no, that no, 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 no. It's like a no, good I'm just thing. Saying, I'm just trying to like. No, 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 I know that. Like, so why is it that you are so removed from the notion that we could build a movement around other people who understand that? You know, like I understand that it seems so easily co-opted. It seems like you're feeding into uh, the very you know, pitfalls that we've fall, fallen into before. But like, so in my opinion, so do a lot of the alternatives at this moment. Now, let me continue what I was saying though. Uh, because again, like I would love to hear the realistic alternative. Like I do not want Joe Biden to be president and I don't want him to appoint John Kasich and other Republicans. I don't want people to get complacent. Uh, but like, I don't want Trump 
and everything that comes with that more. And I feel like at this point in October of 2020, like we have a binary choice. We don't actually. We also have the choice to not participate. But I feel like all that's doing is at this point, uh, all it does is it removes you from the binary choice. Uh, and like that, that can have personal things. Like the biggest reason I don't want to vote for Joe Biden is for my personal conscience. But like, you know, that actually means nothing. Uh, <laughs> but like the other big thing is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other big thing is, so yes, there's the argument of, you know, like, there's a huge argument to be made that like we can stop Republicans from being in power. And that's a really good thing. You know, like it's not a good argument to make and you're never going to win an election with that argument in my opinion. But like, I know it to be true that Republicans will cause damage if they're in charge. And so like putting Democrats in charge at least gives the possibility that they won't constantly be doing the wrong thing. Uh, but there still are good uh, factors. For example, he might put John Kasich and blah, blah, blah. He might also put Bernie Sanders as the secretary of labor, you know, like for all of, uh, Elizabeth Warren's flaws, like, uh, if she was treasury secretary, you know, like, do you know how much money Wall Street is pumping into Joe Biden specifically so that she doesn't he doesn't appoint Elizabeth Warren as Treasury Secretary, which there's a ton of pressure for him to do now? It again becomes problematic because, of course, like, I don't think I need to tell you how wonderful it would be to have a friggin socialist as the secretary of labor <laughs> instead of like, yeah. you know, someone who's anti labor. Uh, yeah. However we're also talking about the opposition. Like I'm not, you know, we need to be in opposition to the president. Like <laughs> we need to work with him, but uh, like, we don't need to like be the Republicans and like filibuster everything they try to do. But like, we need to be uh, the people that are arguing against their desire to push things to the center and to the right. And in order to do that, yeah. we need our leaders we need our leaders to be part of that semi-opposition, uh, which they will be hamstrung in doing if they're serving at the, you know, <laughs> if they're serving as a secretary in the administration, you know? Uh, so that's a real tough one. Like, I don't know okay. which one I so would tell prefer. Me, what do you uh, think? So what, what do you think then it looks like? Uh, let's say, you know, Joe Biden wins and day one of his presidency in January, what do we start doing? I mean, what, how, how do we organize in such a way? Like what, who, what, tell me to like, just even start broadly, like, like what groups are we going to, what groups are going to be doing the opposition? What uh, individuals are we going to be like uh, lobbying to? And what, and, and what tactics are we going to use in order to push a Biden administration left? How, what does that look like to you? It, like in, in like a realistic, as opposed to a best case scenario. I mean, like a realistic scenario. I'd like to know what you think. Well, realistically, groups are going to align to the left. Uh, and there's going to be a coalition of people, probably led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
uh, but also by Bernie to some degree, even if he is the Secretary of Labor, because I doubt he'll be able to push his whole agenda through, he will have to fight even as Secretary of Labor. There will become a clear delineation of the people within the party, if should it come to leadership, should, like, let's just say it has all three branches of government, you know, uh, I mean, uh, it has like uh, both houses of Congress and the presidency. Uh, like th there, there will be an increased voice of the already existent left that has been largely organized around Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. So those two so things. Do you think that like will be the? Do you think that groups like like uh, DSA, like the Democratic Socialists of America, are going to have like absolutely? A, do you reckon that that's going to be? like a focal point of this energy that you're, that you're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, but many groups will be new groups, groups you don't know about yet, but the justice Democrats, uh, DSA, even like existing ones like working families, party labor unions, like the left is going to be re-energized because if not, we're all just going to die. You know, like we're, <laughs> we're headed for a bad time. Like we already were in a bad way before Trump, before anything. Uh, and now we're going to have to face COVID and an economic recession in addition to everything we had. So our leaders are not up for it. If we don't push Biden on doing the right thing, it will lead to the destruction of our nation <laughs> eventually. Um, but I just feel like it's much right. more certain and, and it will happen much more quickly with Trump. And so... Like, if the Democrats win, again, if Biden doesn't appoint Bernie, um, the Budget Committee, which obviously is very, very important in the Senate, like, they do a lot of the allocation of what exists and doesn't exist in, in, in government. Currently, it's chaired by one Lindsey Graham. If the Democrats win, it will be chaired by Bernie Sanders. Again, it's like, I don't know what leftist can say that these things are not good things, you know, like, and like, yes, you can point to a bajillion other bad things. Uh, but like, you know, like, like with the choices that we have in front of us next week, like, I just don't, you know, like, again, like one of the biggest flaws is that your vote actually doesn't matter. You know, like, is that this whole conversation we're having is probably mm. for not probably every single person who hears this, their vote for president does not matter. Like, <laughs> not only like it matters if you live in a swing state. <laughs> and at this point, it basically matters if you live in one of like four states, you know, like that's all that really matters in this election. It's come down to like six or seven states mm. that are in realistic play and only like four or five that really matter. And basically only Wisconsin really matters at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, let's be real. Like <laughs> all of this, all of these conversations people are having and all of these divisions that they're creating and all the increased hatred and stuff like that. It's all actually for not like, this is all strategically bad, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, but like, like I said, we're in a horrible situation right now. And part of that is that people are angry and uninformed and it's very difficult to have conversations and there's more misinformation and it's easier for lies to travel than truths and people want to turn against each other after, you know, like the primary thing, the primary anger I'm seeing from, from people on my timeline is against, 
you know, third party voters or supposedly Bernie people who didn't vote or something like that, which is complete. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, so like, it's a bad situation. And like, you got to take all of that into account. And, you know, my willingness to support the notion of like, I don't know. No, I don't want to say that. But like, does that give you a little bit of a better idea of where I'm coming from? From like, I don't disagree with the things behind what you're saying and the desires and notions to want to change and to leverage our, you know, collective power and stuff like that. But this specific time at this hour is just there's something else really big going on that the conversation you want to have is not going to be heard in. Like there's a concert, there are two concerts going on and you want to have a booth outside. Like no one is going to hear you because there are two concerts going on right now. And like they're the loudest they will ever be. And next week there will not be those concerts, you know, like, uh, 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 like there'll still be a lot of hubbub, but those two biggest concerts that we put on every four years won't be going on. And I know that that's the time everyone wants to talk about music, but like it's possible to talk about music when the big concert isn't going on and people might be down to hear about the band that is not performing at the big concert. <laughs> Sorry. So okay, we're back. Um, so just to, just to, like some closing thoughts. Then, like I want to know. Then, oh god, I'm just so sick of it all as well. Like one of the things that I think a lot of people are feeling on like all the different persuasions and tendencies of the left is like, I just want this fucking shit to end. It's just like loads of people I speak to, uh, like back home. And stuff are just like, I just can't fucking wait. They're dying to not, like all the older people as well, especially if you're from New no, York or Connecticut, they just, they are so, like Donald Trump is just like, he's such a fucking familiar type of guy. Like he's a type of guy. And you know the I type know, of guy and you're like, that's oh, one of the get big this fears. fucking guy out of my life. That's one of the big fears is that they will breathe that sigh of relief and will want to not think about it and not talk about it. But we that doesn't mean that it's not, the smart thing to do to still push those ideas oh, we even when they it, don't yeah. want to. Yeah. Gotta like, push. it's just a reality. But I mean, if you want to take one issue, so take the issue of, like I was saying, let's take the issue of voting, okay? So voting is actually institutionally problematic in this country. We do not want everyone to vote. Like, we, cre we have a system where everyone cannot vote. If everyone tried to vote then people will not be able to vote. I know this it would because be disaster, the last yeah. yeah, the last 2 years, a little more than half the people have tried to vote and it has resulted in a lot of people not being able to vote because the system couldn't handle it. So and we are not actively moving to solve these problems. Uh Instead, we will cut the budgets of these election boards and registrars next year when we cut everyone's budget. Um and 
you know, Republicans have always actively been fighting against these things. And this year they've accelerated it significantly and especially around mail-in ballots. And Democrats, like they often do, aren't there to really fight for it properly because if they were, they would have to kind of answer for the fact that they've been unable to promote the franchise in general. Just like they're not fighting really hard for us to get our goddamn stimulus money to keep us alive right now because they're afraid of promoting socialism. You know, almost more than the Republicans are you know like so like again like do not mistake me for understanding that the democratic party is you know like they are moving things in the direction i do not want to go in you know like of course uh, yeah yeah yeah, but it's just like like i do want to move things and on the issue of expanding voting let's say it will never happen under Republicans. Like, it'll never be brought up by committee. It'll never get a vote. And if that vote happens, it won't win. Like, I know some people will just focus on the fact that if Republicans are in charge, it won't win. But, like, being in charge means that you decide what is even talked about. Like, Amy Coney Barrett had, a like, she, yes, she was voted on to the court, but she only had a hearing because Lindsey Graham, the head of the Judiciary Committee, called for a hearing. And I would like to say that if Democrats were in charge, Dianne Feinstein would be the head of the committee and she wouldn't call for a hearing, but she just fucking hugged Lindsey Graham at the end of the last one. I know, oh God. So it makes it difficult to say that. And I know that I can't sit here and say, don't worry, put Dianne Feinstein in charge and everything will be fine. But I know that Lindsey Graham in charge will be bad and there's at least the possibility that Diane Feinstein being in charge will potentially lead to the right thing. But I also know, like I said, if we don't push her, then she will also lead to bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one more and thing. And so then. Lindsey Graham could lose. And that's like, you know, like I and a lot of people are working hard for Lindsey Graham to lose. But should he not lose, then first of all, you could put a lot of blame on Diane Feinstein. And second <laughs> yeah. of all, you like wasted so much energy, so much energy. There are so many people trying right now to fight for Jamie Harrison to win in South Carolina. And if he loses, that will be devastating to them and it will not make them want to be involved next time, you know? And when you go and vote and you have to wait three hours to vote, it doesn't make you think, damn, I'm glad I finally voted this year. And like, when your guy loses, it doesn't help. When your guy wins and doesn't help you, then you get completely disillusioned, you know? Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, let me, sorry, here, sorry. closing thoughts then. Closing thoughts. What do you think? Because so here's, here's the thing that I, uh, that, I'm think, that I think about all the time is I just think like, right, let's just imagine the worst case scenario. I think to myself, Donald Trump wins. He doesn't even have to cheat. He just wins. You know, like out like he just like maybe he loses the popular vote by a slim margin, but he increases his margin on the three million he lost to Hillary in the popular vote last time, 2016. And he actually just wins outright because this is what I mean, this has happened in a way uh, w- when Bush in uh, in 2004. I mean, he won outright and it shocked a lot of people. I was living in Ireland at the time and people were really surprised over there, I guess, like, in, you know, in some part because they're unfamiliar with the layout of the American electorate the emotional and mental and political layout uh, of like yeah. how things work. But people were really surprised and it felt like uh, 
it made people very cynical about Americans. You know, it made them feel like, what the fuck is wrong with you fucking people? Why would you do this to yeah. yourselves and to us? Like, what would yeah. you do this? So what I want to know is, like, what, like, wh- what do you think? I mean, what's going to happen? What, like, what's going to happen if he wins? If he wins, like, what, what do we do? Because, I mean, you can't, like, one of the things that I think both of us agree on, and it's been like a, like a sort of <coughs> unspoken thing here, uh, this whole conversation we've been having, is that both of us know that, like, giving in to despair and just being like, fuck it, or just being cynical is not just useless and, uh, and, and like, defeatist, but it's also, like, in a way, I feel like that exonerates you in a way. Cynicism is a way to just, like, relieve yourself of caring and of feeling responsible for the situation in any way and wanting to go and just like blue pill yourself you know what I mean but you can't do that you mm-hmm. can't do that no matter what happens no matter how bad it gets you gotta fight you gotta be willing to fight you gotta still consider the fact that there's even yeah. if you're gonna even if you're going down you're going down fighting something you gotta do something you can't like you can't live like that you can't just like just like wait to die you can't wait to for like the fucking the Nazis to kick down the doors and just take you away to the fucking concentration camp or the gulag or whatever you've got to you've got to fight somehow so what I want to know is what like I know that this is a sad and negative thing to end on, but like closing thoughts on like what do you do if Trump wins? What do we do? What do we do if Trump wins? What recourse do we have? What actions can we take? What do you think? And how different is it from what we do if uh, if uh, Biden wins? You know what I mean? Like I mean, it seems to me like there isn't a lot of difference really. At the end of the day, we have to try to build some sort of like working class power from the bottom up because there's no way to get any leverage, as you say. Voting almost doesn't matter in like this two. This uh, it, the, the the sword has like a it's a double edged sword. Like the voting doesn't matter in a way because it's like you you I, you have to build working class power either way. So what what do you? Think? Yeah, but uh, like I definitely have something to say about that. But first, let me just say that I don't actually think that's the worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is actually uh much closer to uh, the worst case scenario stems from what's more likely to happen which is that he will lose, but it'll be muddled. And so it'll destroy both democracy and spark a civil war right now. Like not in a couple of years. Do you think that that's realistic uh, though? Do you think that that's a realistic possibility? Absolutely. Uh, Well, well, I mean, the completely disillusioning people's already shaky faith in democracy, that's a a likely scenario. I mean, that's happening right now as we speak. I mean, that goes without saying. Actual actual violence and, like, stuff like that, that's less likely, but, like, uh, it's entirely likely, uh, in my opinion. Like, I, I think there will be violence even on election day. It's just that it'll be small and localized and stuff. But... There could be bigger things. There could be clashes. It could coincide with, like, I don't know if you've been seeing, but, like, these these protests are, these are both sides, like, the police are accelerationists with these protests. Like, it's already kind of surprising that it, it hasn't broken out into worse, you know? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, if he declares victory, or let's say if he wins, like, there, people are going to hit the streets on the on both sides, you know, uh, and it's going to be ugly. But like very much, let's keep it to, you know, more kind of things that, you know, you can even talk about. Because like, what do we even there's no use in pontificating for like, what happens if we break out into civil war next month? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I yeah. believe that uh, 18 to 35 year olds will lie behind <laughs> the proud boys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, 
so what what will happen and what do we do? The what will happen, like the first thing you can do is just point to the past and ask, will what happened before when the unexpected losses happened happen? Will that happen again? And what happened in 2004 and much more so in 2016 was misdirecting blame. Uh, not at all accepting blame for what happened, which was initially not opposing the Iraq war, uh, was like the big flaw. You yeah. didn't give people something to believe in and instead gave them John Kerry and hope that like some sort of pre Bush normalcy is something that people would want. And that was ridiculous. And then you took that same argument and cranked it up to a thousand with Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Donald Trump, and we're proven even more clearly <clears throat> that that sort of just vote for the person who's presenting the nice image and not, you know, practically calling for change, uh, as opposed to the guy who seems really bad, is not a winning strategy. Uh, it's, it doesn't motivate people to vote. You got to give them something to vote for. And did they look at that? Like, did they take that into account? Absolutely not. Every now and then you'll hear people on the far left mention not campaigning in Michigan and Wisconsin, but all you hear is Russians, Comey, and now you don't even hear that. All you hear is Bernie bros and Jill Stein voters and blah, 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 you know, no real reflection. So, First thing you have to ask is, is that what's going to happen if Biden loses? And I believe the answer is unequivocally yes. Now, whether or not that will actually fall on receptive ears is another thing. I unfortunately believe that's a yes, too, from the amount that I'm hearing the argument espoused from both normies and people who are on the in the political establishment that I know, but just aren't on the left left. Uh so that's a big fear or not, you know, or that could not happen. And I think that the not is a little more likely because, again, we're in a very bad situation. And so now you get to the pendulum theory of which a lot of people espouse that I definitely do not like, but I have a difficult time not accepting that it has produced a lot of unfortunate progress in the face of regression, which is uh, things will get so bad under Trump next year that people will be much more uh, up for making radical change and even revolutionary change and stuff like that. Like, we're not going to have a revolution under Biden, but we might have one under Trump. Now, we might all die in it and, like, all the libs and centrists might turn on us and, you know, uh, accept the power of the authorities over these like radical antifas and whatnot and we yeah, might all yeah. end up dying but like it's more likely that it would happen now like that's a horrible you know like i don't want to do that you know like I no don't, no i know i know not looking forward to that so like i said like there's just no positive outcome well but, like maybe maybe here's... a trump presidency and the ensuing revolution is how we <laughs> solve this world yeah but like I know people, and I don't, you don't want, want them to get die. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly, like, exactly. <laughs> well, here's another thing. Here's something else to think about, Norm. Because, like, I um, I uh, I follow. Uh, there's this really great biography of Joe Biden called uh, "Yesterday's Man" by a, uh, an author called Branko Marchetich, and he he said this thing on Twitter the other day that was really interesting. 
which was uh, actually, I, geez, I hope I'm not being stupid and attributing this to, to someone who wasn't. I think it was Branko Marcinic. He basically said that um, it, it's if you look at history, that, that a lot of revolutions uh, came not on the back of uh, of like mass uh, like suppression of of progress and suppression of reform, but on the back of the, just like insufficient uh, progress and insufficient reform. So he. He used uh, yeah. a couple of examples, but one of them was like the Russian Revolution. You had the you had the February Revolution, where they overthrew the Czar and replaced him with uh, you know Kerensky's government, the the provisional government, and they it just wasn't enough. And that's when you got the Bolsheviks, and that was largely, I mean, obviously the Lenin and and Trotsky and them had a lot to do with that, like being great strategists. But also the fact that the the reforms didn't go far enough, that you were already in the process, you had some momentum, and it didn't go far enough was oh, no, uh, was the thing that sparked ultimately the revolution. You know, and it's the same with with other examples. And I think that that's that's um, like something that gives me a little bit of hope is that. If Biden were to win, yeah, or even if he were to lose, like if, but if there was a, if there was like a movement that was trying, that was like cohesive, where you've, you've basically, the first thing you've done is the very, 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 very tiny little fundamental spark of just like politicizing people to begin with. I think that that's something that's happened under the reign of Trump that's been good, is that people have suddenly realized that politics is a thing that affects their lives and that affects the lives of people they know and that is a real thing. It's not just bullshit. It's not like it doesn't make a difference either way. It actually is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's interrupted the... The, just the kind of, uh, you know, inertia of politics, of American politics since, you know, like with Obama. Obama gave the whole thing, the whole Obama years gave the, the veneer of being just this thing that's like administrative that happens in the background. You know what I mean? And that you could just like trust that no matter even, you know, even and then people misremember the Bush years, which you and I, I know, do not misremember, you know, of just of thinking again that it was like a sort of extension into the past of, of that, of that Obama uh, the quote unquote, you know, I'm using square quotes here, the stability or whatever, you know, there, this is the, to me, this is the thing that gives me hope is that just the fact of people being awake to the reality of politics as an interplay of different pockets of power within American society is at least like one step closer to class consciousness is at least one step closer to people realizing that there is work to be done and that things are happening, you know, that, that, that there's like a real reality behind it. It isn't just people, exactly. it isn't just celebrities having a debate on television. And that to me, I think if Biden wins or loses, if he wins though, you know, maybe if he doesn't go far enough, if he lets people down, that might be the spark. That might be the spark. People are like, I don't think that people are like happy to just have like not Trump. They don't want a negative result from politics. They don't want just like a not Trump. They don't want not Republicans. They want genuine change as like the, the fact that the longevity of these movements in the streets in the United States, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of it. I mean, it's I can't I can't I can't see that just going like, oh, OK, well, Biden's president now that that's good. You know, and oh, I guess we should pack up and go home. I think that people have we've crossed a kind of Rubicon in a way. Well, I hope we have. And that's the hope that I have, at least. Uh, that's the thing that makes me think. And ultimately, that's the thing that makes me not completely despair is <laughs> just the, the slim. And I understand. I agree with you. All of these hopes that we have are so fucking slim, man. They're so fucking yeah. slim. You know what I mean? Like, and none of it is going to happen automatically. None of it is going to happen without a huge fucking effort on all of our parts. None of it is going to happen without massive organization. But there's a lot of that happening, and it's just not getting... A lot of people don't see it, you know? Like, I think that that's yeah. one of the things that's so important now is that's why, uh, you know, I just hope... I hope that there's some sort of spark 
I hope that people do it. I hope that people get involved with stuff because, uh, you know. No, yeah, I know. I agree. And, like, it's very important, the point you're making about becoming woke to things and becoming aware and whatnot. Because this is something that we forget, is that, like, you know, you don't, you don't, you can't, like, you need to be aware that something is possible for you to accept right. that it's real to a degree. Right. Like someone, like everything to some degree is unrealistic fantasy until something or someone has in some way legitimated it. And exactly. that's a big thing that the Bernie Sanders campaign was doing was four years ago, it was, it was introducing a lot of people for the very first time with the notion that there could be a politics based around you know, actually actively doing good for people uh, and not like constantly compromising in the name of some other institution or something like that uh, and not like constantly being vague and lying. <laughs> you know, like it was the first time that people were introduced to that. And unfortunately, it was a message that had to be carried basically personally by Bernie around. Yeah, and there's yeah. only so much that he was able to do that. And he was able to do it better this time. And it was clearly... Working a lot more, you know, like a lot more people were involved. He broke all these records of like people fundraising and donating. And like clearly he, he is building a movement. That's what it looks like. It failed several times. Uh, but it's, yeah, exactly. it's getting stronger exactly. and better each time. And the people who would resist change are acting against this and they're acting in their like, you know, like time will be their biggest enemy uh, if they continue to, you know, push things that are so demographically divisive uh, to the degree that like anyone who has an eye to the future, like young people do, tends to resoundingly be di di disappointed with what's going on. Now, the problem is, though, uh, like you... And that's great because it's it's shifting the Overton window for people. You know, we talk about the Overton window for like conversations for politicians and what is practical right, yeah, to yeah. accomplish and stuff. But realistically, the Overton window is about you will only accept certain things in your mindset and worldview uh, to, you know, like and, and not accept other things, et cetera, et cetera. And Bernie kind of shifted the Overton window for for people for what they could believe in. Uh, previously, it was kind of like Obama and like his platitudes and stuff were the most that people like could believe in. Uh, and now Bernie with a more practical like like uh, references to their material conditions and so many issues that other people like completely avoid uh, shifted what people believe is possible and that will have a, an effect going forward. But the problem here is that with what you said about if Biden wins and ends up disappointing people, that that could be the spark that gets people to like cross the line of, of being uh, aware enough to and being frustrated enough to get involved. That's not the America that I know. The America that I know, if Biden wins and fails, they will give up on the system, you know, uh, the same way that they largely did when it happened with Obama. People didn't vote. Hillary didn't convince them to. 
and 28% of the population elected Donald Trump or whatever it was. And that's the fear. That's the fear that brings us Generalissimo Tom Cotton. Yes, exactly, uh, exactly. Is that people, people finish the process that has been going on for so long of being increasingly disillusioned with voting and having no one there to fight for it, both practically in terms of helping people to vote and with giving people the inspiration to want to vote by giving them leadership that they can believe in. Those are two things that we've got to do that we're not doing. Uh, and so I'm worried that that's not, you know, going to work, you know, like, uh, like pushing people like, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's kind of a thread I want to go down with voting, uh, that is just going to be too big of a conversation. Yeah. So, I like, think we, I think we're kind of done with this one. I think we should wrap it up here. That's a good place to close it. I think, um, maybe just pointing out that, uh, if you, if you're listening to this in the United States <laughs> and you haven't, and you have an absentee ballot, don't forget that you're going to have to take it by hand to yeah. the place where they go. No, but like one thing, I, one thing I definitely want to say, though, uh, is like I kind of touched upon it earlier that like we give so much energy to this presidential race that the vast majority of us are not actually participating in realistically. You know, uh, whereas every single one of us has important races on that ballot, you know, and most likely you should vote for the Democrat in most of those races, like get informed (laughs) yourself, find out if there are people challenging, like, you know, obviously get involved. But like, uh, one thing I always say is the more local a race is, the more it will influence you and the more you can influence 100%. 100%. And that is something that people don't accept Instead, they throw all of their energy into the black hole of caring about this awful choice that is not going to have an overall positive outcome one way or another, and that you're actually also not really a part of because of our electoral system. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So, by, in some. Like, at the end of the day, like, it's critical that we get involved and vote and. Uh, you know, like focus on the rest of your ballot. Look at those people that are actually going to be the ones in your state legislature that are actually cutting your state's budget next year. And I would also, I would argue as well, you need to keep, I would also argue join uh, your local socialist, uh, your socialist group, whatever the best one is, if that's DSA or, uh, or or trade union or both, you should definitely be a a member of a trade union. You should definitely be a member. And you should support them in general. Because we're going to need to support each other. We're going to need to promote labor. Like, these are things we're going to have to do one way or another. Whether it's in order to save each other's lives in the short term or the long term, we we have to come together. Uh, no matter who wins what race. Like, we have to support each other. We have to not give in to these notions of pointing the finger at each other and, and, and look up to our problems from above and solve them you know? <laughs> together. Yeah. 100%. All right. All right. Well, let's leave it there. I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. And uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to close out, but we'll be back another time. We'll probably, I think that you and me, Norm are going to get together and talk about what happens after the election probably and have a little uh, post game, maybe uh, <laughs> like we did with the post yeah. Bernie. Um, but cool. Thanks. I want to uh, thank everybody for, for listening. And uh, yeah, don't forget to to you know join a join your 
local trade union, get, unionize your workplace if you can. Make it happen. We're never going to get this yes. shit done unless we work together. And no matter what, right. no matter what anyone tells you, as always, Bernie would have won. Yeah. <laughs>